Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. On today's show, we preview the Hornets' fifth preseason game against the Chicago Bulls. We read some of your comments, and were Al Jefferson and Jeremy Lin really fail-safes in the Hornets' offense? Let's get to it. It's time to talk some hoops and stuff. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan on this Monday, kicking off another week of Hornets Talk. Every single day, we're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by uh, no relation to Kimba, no relation to Texas Ranger, David Walker. That's true, although uh, that famous TV show was based on my life story, so slight, slight relation. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Panthers fans, head over to iTunes after the show and subscribe to the the Locked On Panthers podcast with host Steve Reed. NBA fans, make sure to check out Locked On NBA with host David Locke. If you have a question, a comment, or you want to sponsor the show, email us at buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. David, let's start in Chicago where the Hornets are getting set to take on the Chicago Bulls in their fifth Preseason game tip-off is set for 8 o'clock p.m., and you can watch this one on NBA TV. So the Hornets getting on television here on in the preseason. I know that will make you happy, David. That's so exciting. We can see the actual games they're playing. We've known they've been playing, but now we can see them, Doug. Yeah, it's exciting. Now, a couple of injury updates. Uh, in terms of we won't know much uh, until a little later in the day, but what we do know is that uh, Cody Zeller, had a, according to Coach Clifford at practice on Sunday, had another setback, was not able to participate fully in practice. He's been, you know, on again, off again in Hornets practice. So that's disappointing to hear. Also, Brian Roberts still dealing with a hamstring issue. They're being very careful with that. I don't, I don't really expect either of those uh, guys to give it a go on Monday. But again, we have to wait for official word from the Hornets. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Or excuse me, at Locked On Hornets. Got to get that one out of my system. Put it in the jar. All right. Everything. (laughs) That's right. Everything old becomes new. Okay. At Locked On Hornets is that Twitter handle. Follow us there for updates. A couple of things to know about the Bulls. This is a new look roster with the same coach gone. Uh, Our Bulls mainstays like Mike Dunleavy, Pau Gasol, Joakim Noah, and Derek Rose. Enter Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, Jerry and Grant, Robin Lopez, among others, but Fred Hoiberg and his up and down uh, movement style offense will give it another go in, in in year two. In year one, it wasn't as successful as I think a lot of people thought it would be. Uh, with a new cast of characters, we will see if Chicago can you know become the Fred Hoiberg team that they wanted to become last season. Also, some latest news. 
Uh, Chicago pulled off a preseason deal over the weekend, trading a stretch 3-4 guy in Tony Snell to the Milwaukee Bucks for point guard Michael Carter-Williams. Kind of a low-risk, low-reward deal, uh, according to our friends over at Locked On Bulls for both teams. But a little confusing for the Bulls, who seem to need outside shooting at the wing with, you know, you bring in Rajon Rondo, not known for three-point shooting. You already had Jimmy Butler, who has been a streaky three-point shooter. And then, of course, you bring in Dwayne Wade, who has been a, he's, he's great at three-point shooting when it matters, but in the regular season has not always been, you know, a consistent outside shooter. And Michael Carter-Williams, not really known for that either. Uh, This trade is getting wrapped up today. So I doubt the Hornets will see any of Michael Carter-Williams in a Bulls uniform. Uh, for some things to watch for on the Hornets' side, take it away, David. With the Hornets, Doug, well, I was looking forward to watching Cody Zeller. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, though. Um, you know, I, I just want to see some more action out of uh, Kimball Walker tonight and continue to see him improve. Well, not improve, but just kind of get back in the groove, Doug. I mean, that's the biggest thing because let's look, look at the depth. Brian Roberts is not playing. Um, now, he's like the third point guard, but – the depth is already being an issue here in training camp. No Cody Zeller. Um, so that's the big thing for me, uh, just seeing more Kimball Walker and finding him in the group. Because I'm going to be honest, the longer we go in this preseason, the closer we get to the regular season, it seems like to me this season, it, it, so much of it is on Kimba's shoulders. I mean, I think he's poised for an all-star bid. Mm-hmm. He's poised for another breakout season. So that's really what I'm looking for now in this in, in this preseason to go along with the rest of the starters, of course. But I mean, it, it's Kimba's team, and it hasn't been more clear than it is right now. Yeah, looking for improvements from Kimba Walker, I think certainly that's what you want to watch. But also, I think the organization in general, because they've had this long layoff in between preseason games, and they've had a lot of practices. They really haven't taken much of a day off. They did take a day off to sort of meet the fans on Saturday. So they've, they've had a chance to get organized, to introduce, because they do have a lot of new players, despite having some continuity in that starting lineup. They do have a lot of new players that will play integral roles on this team. Uh, Marvin Williams actually on Sunday at practice talked about this. Let's, uh, let's hear from, from him. We put in a ton of offense. You know, uh, early in the early in the preseason, we didn't have that much offense in, and guys were still trying to pick up the defense. But this past week, put in a lot of offense, so we have a lot more sets to work from now. And I think guys are more comfortable in the defense as well. So a lot more offense. I think you're going to see some more complex play from the Charlotte Hornets, and you may not notice it. In fact, David, sometimes with these offensive sets, if you don't notice it as a fan, that's pro- it's like the referees. You don't want to notice it. You just want it to be fluid. You want it to seem like they knew what they were doing all along, and if you start to notice a play break down, that's when, that's when there's some trouble. So hopefully you see more consistency, more complexity, uh, and and just better play overall offensively from the Charlotte Hornets against the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, and Doug, you know, another thing I'll be looking for, and we've seen hints of it this past weekend on social media and out of practice, the corner threes. Are you looking forward to some corner threes? I, I mean, you, you have to be. I think, you know, there's more. It certainly has not been a is something that uh, has been a focus for the Charlotte Hornets team. It's not something that you see – uh, Kimball Walker do a ton. It's not something that you see. Uh, it wasn't a focus for, I don't think Nick Batum hit a ton last season either, but the corner three is supposed to be the most efficient shot in the NBA. And right. you, you really, I think what what makes me hopeful that it's going to actually get installed this year is that you have a guy in Roy Hibbert 
who seems, at least in this early preseason, to be focused on catching the ball inside and then dishing it out to the corner. That's like the first place that he looks. And that wasn't necessarily an Al Jefferson special to get that ball out to the corner. So there's a little difference there for for the Hornets, and that could make the difference. Yeah, and as you said, they were not efficient in shooting the three last year. Lowest rate of three-pointers from the corner in the league last year. And as you mentioned, that's supposed to be the you know one of the easier three-point spots. So it's kind of odd that they made the jump they did and still had such a low rate of those corner threes from last year. All right, well, let's take a second before we get to our next segment and go out to the fans. We're going to read some of your comments on atthehive.com and reddit.com forward slash r forward slash hornets. It's a segment we like to call Forum. I hardly know them. Please listen carefully. First, a comment on our Friday show, David, from uh, at the Hive commenter Ben Jammin G. He says, I hope the hardworking culture of Kimba, Marv, MKG, Cody, etc. will bring Jeremy Lamb around to the same consistent effort. I remember one of the first interviews I heard from him as a Hornet. He was talking about what a gym rat he was. So there's kind of mixed signals there. Hopefully the Hornets culture will win and Lamb will work hard to achieve his potential with us. Thanks for the comment there on that. You can comment on, we post most all of these shows on at thehive.com. So you can comment on those and we will read them on the show as well as emailing your questions and comments to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. But David, you talked about how he was in sort of a practice oriented culture in Oklahoma City with, with a couple yeah. of superstars. And it, and it hasn't necessarily translated here. But I will say this that there are some issues going on around the league with different players like Ty Lawson in Sacramento already running into issues with missing flights and different things. And so just to put a little bit of perspective on this, we're definitely, we were were hard on Lamb on Friday, but it's, I think it's because it's like the coach that's hard on the great player. Like we see so much potential in Jeremy Lamb, but it's certainly not as, it's not an issue where he's missing flights or missing practices, no. which is what we saw with PJ Hairston, who started right. last season. It, those aren't the issues. It's just there, there's just uh, just a little something off. Yeah, and I think there is obviously a difference between his time in Oklahoma City, like you said, more of a practice player was his role there, but certainly a good opportunity or opportunity to learn. And I think here he is going to be having some. More of the attention on him from guys from Clifford and the coaching staff, which can be good, right? So, you know, you mentioned this may be the turning point for him. Hopefully, it is. And we were, uh, you know, kind of hard on him, but it's just because, like you said, we've seen the potential and the run he had last year, and we want more of that. <laughs> and I think the coaching staff does too. And it's frustrating to see. You know, when they know what they want and he knows what they want and it's just not coming together. So it's early in the preseason. You know, he had that scare with the injury and maybe this time in the spotlight, him moving up a little bit in minutes or having that opportunity will help him to turn the corner again. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think we were, we were pretty fair to him. I mean, we we were, we were hard on him, I guess, but again, it's just, we've seen some of this happen before and we hope that this is kind of the, the thing that changes it. All right, next comment comes on reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Charlotte Hornets, and it was on our Twitter post that we posted during the 
uh, meet and greet that the team did. It was a great event there at the Spectrum Center. Fans came in on a Saturday afternoon to watch the Hornets. Uh, They came out, they were introduced, uh, and then they participated in a couple of mini games. Some of it was players with kids, and then... There were some three-point competitions, some half-court shot competitions. So we posted a video of Del Curry, who is uh, one-third of the announcing team for Fox Sports Southeast for the Hornets. Uh, he got out there and got into the action, sinking three. I, I I introduce him as an announcer, like he didn't, you know, like he doesn't lead the team in like all-time three-pointers and scoring and all kinds of other things. Um, but Del Curry getting into the action, sinking three-pointers at the Hornets meet and greet. Here's a couple of comments on that video. Not home today writes, I think we should be giving Dell a 10-day contract to see if he has anything left in the tank. Yiz was here comments. What? So this is quoting Del Curry, uh, you know, sort of in a fun way. What? Y'all thought Steph taught himself how to shoot? Del Curry, probably. Uh, So yeah, (laughs) Dell getting in the action there and, and knocking him down consistently. That is true. He did teach Steph how to shoot. Uh, you know that interesting. Have you ever heard this story, Doug? The interesting story about I think it was his freshman year, Davidson. Maybe they completely broke down his shot, and Dell wouldn't let him shoot outside of the paint for like a month, like all summer long. They just went in there and he shot, 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 and uh, he couldn't shoot. You know, out distance until I guess he perfected up close. I mean, that was one of those cool stories. So Dell that, that reminds me of like the, the the sort of myth the mythological Dean Smith story about free throw shooting, how, you know, that sort of thing where he made them shoot like a thousand free throws or something at practice until everybody got it right. I mean, maybe it's true, but it just seems like one of those mythological things. Well, you know, it sounds mythological, 586 three-pointers in a row. We, that does, okay. Go ahead. Talk about it. All right. Are we on this? So, so uh, the team tweeted out that Marvin Williams just hit 586 three-pointers without missing two in a row or something to that effect. I'm sure I could pull up the tweet. That probably would have been a good idea. But anyway, the way it was written, Doug, was very confusing because I instantly retweeted it because I read it as he had hit 586 corner threes in a row. I don't think that's what happened, no. but it sure did sound like that. No, the, so I think, he, I think he, guys he, do he this. They, they, tr- this. they try to shoot until they miss or, or until they miss two in a row. Two. I think that's like a thing. Right. Yeah. Right. But it, it should have said, it, it was just not written. And then, hey, I tried to clarify, as, as did other people. And they left it out there, so it's up for debate. Well, that's what you have to do. You have to just leave it out there and let people interpret it as it as it is. Maybe he did hit five. Right. They just want to leave that mystery out there and 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 let fans imagine uh but he did actually marvin williams did win that three-point contest at the team meet and greet uh so uh it was uh it was him against marco and nick batum and marvin marvin beat both of the the younger players so there you go or maybe actually i don't know is batum batum may be older than marvin i don't know he's been marvin's been in the league a lot longer but marvin also got into the league younger anyhow all right here's i want to talk about something i've been thinking about a lot lately a lot over the weekend there's something that zach lowe wrote last week in his crazy predictions column and we mentioned that column in friday's show his prediction was that the hornets offense top 10 last season would drop four points per possession but that's not what has me thinking it's it's this quote within the article david it says uh, zach lowe writes Lynn and Jefferson represented fail-safes on nights when Charlotte's drive-and-kick jumpers weren't falling. That word, fail-safes, 
Uh, it's just a, an interesting take on what Al Jefferson and Jeremy Lin gave to the Hornets offense last season. We called Jefferson a release valve at times too. You know, a guy you could throw the ball into and and get a shot when a play broke down or when the team just wasn't shooting well to get your offense back on track. I asked Coach Clifford on Saturday about losing those fail-safes, and, and he basically told me that all fail-safes are not created equal. For Al, obviously, is um, it's a place where you can go, you know, uh, in a lot of ways. So if you can get him the ball in the post area, you know, you're going to get a good shot. Jeremy, obviously, was... It's a way to get the ball into the paint, you know, which if you look at our offense last year and he and Kemba were the two guys who do it the most, you know, we were only like 25th, 26th and, you know, drives into the paint. It's a problem. Our two-point shooting was our biggest weakness. So Clifford obviously sees what Al Jefferson gave them as more of a fail-safe option, or at least that's how I'm interpreting that in the offense than than the Jeremy Lin drives necessarily. According to stats.nba.com, the Hornets were 20th in drives per game, 16th in percentage, 23rd in two-point field goal percentage, and 23rd in restricted area field goal percentage. And Kimba shot a career-best 57% at the rim. Lin shot 55%. Those are somewhat average numbers to slightly above average shooting percentages at the rim when you compare them to some of the other guard combos uh, in the league. Uh, But when the drives failed and turned into paint looks either outside the restricted area, floaters, those type of things, or mid-range looks, I think that's when things started to fall apart for the, the Hornets where Jeremy Lin and Kimba Walker weren't shooting as well. It Certainly two-point field goal percentage, not the Hornets' strength last season. It was the three-pointer, their, their ability to hit that that fueled a lot of the offense. Now, I talked to Nick Sharia, writer for Basketball Breakdown and author of some amazing stat breakdowns on his Twitter account, at Nick Sharia, at Nick underscore Sharia, and he wasn't necessarily on board with how safe Al Jefferson's offense was for the Hornets' last season. So when I looked at the numbers, um, we take a look at Jefferson, Kemba, and Batum when they were all on the court. Uh, The net rating was plus 1.9, which is pretty good. But when Jefferson went off the court and Kemba and Batum were on, they had a net rating of plus 4.1. So pretty significantly better. And something I also thought was interesting was the percent of field goals made that were assisted jumped about 6.5% when Jefferson went off, which kind of makes sense. He's a low post guy and the ball might stick a little more when he's on the court. And you also, in this same thread, discussed Al Jefferson's ability to post up. How did he do posting up last season? Yeah, so 52% of his plays were post-ups, which isn't really surprising. Um, That was the highest percentage in the NBA, actually. And he was pretty good. He was 64th percentile in points per possession on post-ups and shot 44.6%, um, and that's from NBA.com slash stats. But I think if you're going to be a high-usage offensive center who isn't the best defender, you need to be more efficient on your post-ups than, than 64th percentile to be a positive impact player for sure. Okay, so David, when you put all of that that I just sort of vomited out there into a pile, I think you you look at that big picture from last season, Jefferson's inside game, his post game, 
he actually shot better mid-range probably than he did from the post. And Lynn's ability to drive to the basket while they were important were not as sure of a thing as maybe we've portrayed it or others have portrayed it, maybe not as safe as as we all thought. But I think there were moments last season when it was important, certainly in the playoffs. Al Jefferson's ability to bother Hassan Whiteside was key. Jeremy Lin's ability to drive, will himself to the rim and get fouled was key in moments. Uh, and so I, I asked Clifford on Saturday how they would look to replace that, and here's what he said. Ramon, you know, that's his best strength. It always has been. I think Marco gets the ball going to the basket. Frank will get more minutes, and he drives the ball very effectively uh, from the four spot. Um, and I think Roy Hibbert, the one thing he'll do because he's bigger, he gives us a better chance at a roll game, you know, something we haven't had since I've been here. There's a difference between guys that can roll to the basket, catch it, and lay it in, and a bigger guy who can roll, seal, and you throw it to him deep. So I think that as Roy gets more comfortable, that can be an aspect of offense that you know we're trying to add that we haven't had here. Okay, so that's very interesting. That especially on the the Jefferson side, they're not going to necessarily replace it. And that's what I was trying to dig and and find out if they were going how because I, I don't think they can replace what Jefferson did for them. Uh, last season or really the three seasons that he was in Charlotte, I think what they're going to have to do is find a new kind of offensive identity. And I think that last uh, portion of that uh, where he talked about Roy could be key, where it's not so much delivering the ball to Jeff, get him, getting him isolated, finding ways to to isolate him on one side of the court and get everybody else on the other side and let him work. It's going to be more about pick and roll, having him dive to the rim and and then sealing off close to the basket. So there could be some different things that we see this year, David. Yeah, it's interesting, Doug. Um, you know, what's clear to me is that um, Jefferson is not, not the efficiency lover's favorite player, right? So like we, we saw what he did, um, but you look at the numbers and people just say, oh, they're not going to miss him that much. Um, but, <laughs> but I think Clifford and those guys know they are going to miss him and try to fill in with these other ways, as you mentioned. Yeah, well, I think they're going to miss him, but I don't think they're going to try to replace him. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to use Roy oh, Hibbert yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or or really the post game in the same way that they tried to last season, at the beginning of last season at least, or in the playoffs. They're going to find some new ways to work inside. And, you know, you'll certainly see Ramon play a similar role to Jeremy Lim in, in, in terms of uh, getting you know, getting to the rim. So that's all the time we have uh, for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to BuzzBuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow. Uh, We'll have a recap of this Hornets-Bulls game. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch you?